What if you grew up in a belief system that told you everything around you was an illusion? What if you were told everything that happened to you, from being sick to stubbing a toe to being bullied at school, was your fault for not knowing the truth? What if you were denied even the most basic health care, from pain pills to checkups to vaccinations? How do you unravel yourself from this belief system? And what happens when you do? My name is Hillary Alexander, and this is Leaving Christian Science. Welcome to Leaving Christian Science. Um, this is going to be a special episode where I'm talking to a person who was not a Christian scientist, <laughs> but uh, did come from another high control group, I think is a good term. Um, and I I want to occasionally pepper in non-Christian uh, scientists because I feel like there's so much that these groups have in common. And I think it's really helpful to see similar tactics and similar um, sort of mindsets sure, and how like it's not unique to your group <laughs> um, and and also that you're not alone in in um, you know the things that people go through as they leave their groups and faiths and uh, the, yeah. I think we all have sort of similar psychological <laughs> issues and I, yeah and I think that's really helpful so that's why every every few episodes I'd like to bring in you know a non-ex-Christian scientist and, and talk to someone else so today I'm talking to Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. Now, Sarah is a friend of my sister, Madeline, but I'm now proud to say she's also a friend of mine. Correct. And over the years, we've kind of hinted at the fact that she was also in a super controlling Christian group as a child, and I don't know a whole lot about it. So I wanted to bring Sarah on to talk about her experiences. So Sarah, why don't you tell us about this group you were in? Um, I was raised in the evangelical world with my grandmother, um, who was kind of the spearhead of taking us to church. She was in charge of taking me to church, my brother to church. And within that, she just kind of felt safe for me to stay there and whatever she thought I wanted. And so that's kind of the beginning of the evangelical Christianity um, and being raised as a young girl in this all the way through, I would say my mid thirties is when I got out. Um, there's just a lot of undoing that, that, that has happened during that and a lot of programming that I'm still dealing with that's still un untying with um that I'm good or bad. Like it's basic stuff, right? Like it's, it's interesting. Do you have sort of snapshots of remembrances as a child, you know, either like church experiences or, yeah, or especially things that didn't quite sit right or things that you remember that seemed normal at the time that you now look back and go, Oh my God. <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with being a woman in the church. Yeah. For that sure. was a big, that was a really big thing for me. And that's, that's where it started getting stuck for me um, is being a woman and what that means to be a woman. Um, I was based, my grandmother basically prayed that I would be a virgin until I met my husband, that the husband would be a pastor's son. Hmm. who would also be a virgin and we would virginally come together and help the kingdom of God. 
in whatever that means, bringing people into the fold, saving them from eternal damnation, because there were two options. There was heaven or eternal flames. There was nothing in between. Yeah. So as a kid, I mean, I believe in Santa Claus. Why wouldn't I believe in this? Right. It's the same. It's the same thread in some ways. Um, different because Santa doesn't ask for my parody. Turns out. <laughs> Santa doesn't care. I don't think. <laughs> so growing up, we would get we were really my grandma really pushed the agenda of uh, winter camps and Christian camps and summer camps. And those were really good experiences because I was able to get out of my home life. My mom was a single mom. Um, I did her best, had two kids at 20, you know, under the age of 25, had two kids, was in the hippie movement, that sort of thing. Um, and then kind of steered off into her own path of, of drugs and men and loose living, if you will. And so my grandmother came in and swooped us in and helped us get back on track, so to speak. Yeah. So she, you know, to use a phrase, she sort of like had this evangelical need to rescue her grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of sad, really. You know, she saw her own daughter, in her opinion, you know, go off the rails, it sounds like. And she was like, right. well, I'm not going to let that happen to my grandbabies. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Damnation, you know. Yeah. But but screw this woman. She's right. already fucked up. And so that that's the part that really, again, going back to the female cycle, how we how I think in this religion that that I grew up in really was not very supportive of women at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. That's so, a huge point. Yeah. And and that's the point because it turns out I'm a woman. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And this form right now, I'm a woman. So I don't have very many options. My purity is at stake in order for me to marry well. I was told very young, very, very young that if I um, had sex before I was married, it would end up in divorce. And divorce was the big word. You just don't divorce. You don't divorce. Not when you go higher up in the Christianity world, you don't. Dude, I have got some stories for you. <laughs> and that's so much pressure too. I mean, of course, none of us that get married want to get divorced. Yeah. But, but to make divorce this like horrendous thing, I mean, sometimes it's really good for people. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, that's just it. But dude, that framework was not available at all. It was, my mom is a sinner. She must have had sex before she was married because she's divorced. And that was that as a little girl, that was my programming. That's what got in that. My purity was super, super um, valuable. And that, that if I fucked up here, it would fuck up my whole life. And so, and there was not a lot of fucking <laughs> that was occurring at that time right so it's it was really crazy so grew up we would go to christian camps and again the thing is is it's not all bad it yeah. wasn't all bad it was secured environment it was a youth group like my kids would love to have gone to this minus the religion part because every night we would meet at campfire or at the uh the church every, every night and there would be an altar call 
and you needed to rededicate your life to Christ because you had unpure thoughts or you, and this, this, again, this is my point of view. It was unpure thoughts. It was having unconfessed sin. Like maybe you're mad at your mom and that's going to really fuck your walk up with Christ. So we would have to go and do these altar calls and during the altar calls, because it was evangelicalism, the signs of the spirit was being slain in the spirit. Do you know what slain in the spirit means? Don't. So that's where um, slain in the spirit partners with speaking in tongues in my mind. Do you know what speaking in tongues? Yeah. So um, that was happening every single night. I would go to the altar they would say, what is it, you know, rededicate your life to Christ. They put hands on you. And it was just a gentle push. And two catchers are behind you and they catch you. And that's the spirit of Christ washing over you to recommit you. And then the catchers. And then a lot of times people would start speaking in tongues after they did that. Yeah. Some, the secret language that only you and God have. Did you speak in tongues? Um, I did a lot of Toyotas, a lot of Hyundais, <laughs> um, a lot of Mitsubishis. Like I, I did, I did, yeah. but they were in the, in the, I didn't know what else to say, but Shundai, Hyundai. Which is what it sounds Toyota. like, honestly. I mean, I've heard people speak in tongues and it does sound yeah. like that. Yeah, no, it's, it's intense and yeah. it, um, yeah, it's intense. So let me ask you this. When when you were doing these things, mm -hmm. did you feel like you had to perform it or did it feel really authentic or was it kind of a mix? I would say it's, it was more, it was performative a little bit. It was scared. I was scared. Mm. The adrenaline, I'm up at the altar. People are looking at me. Now there's, it's time to perform. Yeah. Is Christ going to come? Is the spirit going to wash over you? Um, Because you've been so, because now you've been clean of the spirit. So it, you should have these manifestations. So I think it was a little bit performative. It, um, it I just, I, yeah, no, I don't what like wait, what was the question again? Was it just curious if you ever had like real moments of feeling like, oh my God, Jesus just washed over me. Like this is so real. Or or if I, I mean I, there's a fine line between like you sort of want it to happen so it seems to happen, or yeah. it just isn't happening at all and you're just faking the whole thing just to get through it. <laughs> like yeah. there's a difference. I and I think a lot of nerves, it was anxiety. So is yeah. it anxiety Jesus? Is anxiety everybody's watching me? Like, again, it's, it was like, it's time for you to, you to show up for your relationship with Christ, show other people, that sort of thing. And so this went on all the way through my college experience, all the way through college. College, I went to an evangelical college as well. That was fun. <laughs> So it seems like you're constantly being demanded to perform things and prove things. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's so much pressure on children to constantly like do stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm going to guess that um, 
saving other people was part of it? Like, did you have to proselytize to other people? 100%. You were not a Christian unless you um, got people into the kingdom of heaven, period. Because as a little kid, you know, I mean, as a little kid, you don't want people to go to hell. Yeah. You genuinely want to help people. Yeah. You do. You don't. Yeah. It's very innocent. It's not. Um, I remember trying to save some of my friends and feeling good and also weird. Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Like, is this how this looks? Um, but it was, it was pretty, it was pretty hardcore. I was in it to win it. I will tell you that I was in it to get my, my Jesus stamped card, my, my Jesus card stamped. Right. Yeah. So do you feel like you had a real terror of, of like hellfire? Oh, a thousand percent, any one thousand percent. So, um, in the Bible, there's this book of revelations, um, and it's all about the end times. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have end times where you were? No, Christian scientists never really, they didn't have like an apocalyptic thing, Yeah, but I read revelation. I read the whole, the whole book. Yeah. And was fascinated by it actually. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty, I probably could do that now too without vomiting, but (laughs) I think um, it's fucking scary. Yeah. It's like somebody's really bad acid trip. (laughs) Horribly wrong. (laughs) And if you can frame it like that, it's so great. Um, But I did not. I literally thought everything was the truth. Anything in the Bible was the word of God, period. Do not. And so this is where it got really tricky for me as a woman, because as a woman, the man has the power over you. There's scripture. There's scripture pointing to that. Yeah. So that, this is what started my, oh God, I can't do this. I, my brother who's younger is a big dumbass. Why do I have to, you know what I'm saying? It didn't make oh, any yeah. sense. It you made no the, sense. You look at the men in your life and you're like, this guy? <laughs> what they don't know what they're doing trust me you're gonna want the feminine in there you know yeah but our roles were very reduced to baby making purity um whatever the man is the head of the household period period yeah did you have to did you do the whole like purity ball purity ring all that stuff oh boy signing yeah, so, your sexuality to your dad and all this like <laughs> it was so bad hillary we uh, um we great america would put on these concerts um christian concerts and i like striper petra <laughs> i'm trying to think dc talk was one you may not know but that's dc talk was great when i was growing up um and I can't, oh, James Dobson. So James Dobson, it could have been James Dobson or his son. One of these two would come out after this big, huge Christian concert. And the whole concert series was called, I'm not doing it. <laughs> that sounds like an SNL sketch. <laughs> that sounds big. <bad. laughs> it's so ridiculous. I bought merch. I couldn't wait to have a shirt that said, I'm not doing it, Uh, right? Because I think one of the pastors would get up and talk about, I had premarital sex with this woman. And now because I had premarital sex, every time I have sex with my wife, now I have, I think of her, my original girlfriend who I had sex with. 
And that's not fair to my wife. And he was crying and don't do this to yourself. Whatever you do, you're not doing it. Stay pure, stay pure for Christ. Okay. That was, that's what I had to do. Yeah. I mean, he may have been thinking of this other woman, but I don't think that was the reason. <laughs> you know, and who cares? For the I don't know. I just, the whole thing, it just is the dumbest thing in the world looking back, but I had the purity ring. I had a big old gold purity ring. I mean, I was golden. I was golden. I did a great job in high school. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that Christian science didn't have things like that. Like there was no, I think it's probably the only religion in which there's like no patriarchy. That's just not right. a thing because there's no authority figures and it was founded by a woman. So I don't think that she thought in those terms in the 1880s. I'm sure she had no idea what feminism was, but oh, right. just by nature of her being a woman and founding this thing, there there was no sense of the men are superior and women need to, you know, obey their husbands. And there's certainly, again, because I come from a belief system where like nothing is real. Like there wasn't a whole lot of discussion about sex. I think it was sort of understood that as a Christian scientist, like it was important to maintain a certain lifestyle. Like I... I very much bought into the don't have sex till marriage. Of course, that fell apart because I didn't marry until I was 50. (laughs) Wait, so did Christian science deem that on you? No. You just took that purity on whatever. Yeah, I'd like to talk to other Christian scientists about that because I don't really know where that came from. And I don't know if that was just me. I don't think it was, though, because I I, years ago, I remember talking to other Christian scientists who who were very much in that like, no drugs, no alcohol, no caffeine for a lot of us. Like I still don't really drink caffeine. Um, and, and just sort of having this like morality, Mm -hmm. but it was very vague, you know? So it wasn't, it was the opposite of what you went through. It was not this like shoved down your throat constantly thing, which I can imagine is so hard to deal with. I I still, it's so interesting to me to think about why that's so like valuable to them. What is it besides mind control in some ways? I mean, if they're controlling your body, they're obviously got something in your mind controlled, right? Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that if there was a thought process behind it and it wasn't just some weird carryover from concepts from thousands of years ago, women really were super subjugated. Um, I would imagine if anyone ever gave it any thought, it probably has to do with this is the only way to get women to have many children. Yeah. Because if they have free will and if they work and if they have lots of sexual partners before they find a husband, they're not going to have 10, 12, 15 children, most likely. And it's in our interests in this religion to have as many children as possible to keep it going. And that's correct. Yeah. And also men just don't want to hear women run their mouths. (laughs) They don't want to hear women be powerful and and listen to their opinions. You know? Right. Because we make sense. I know. It's weird. (laughs) Um, and then also I'm curious too, because I also, women's place were in the home period. That's scripture Bible. Like I had a discussion one time with this kid named Kyle in high college and I was starting to like, Ooh, this didn't, I was starting to kind of get my head around 
um, that this could be a tickle bit of a brainwashing situation um, because I just couldn't understand why the divine God would pinpoint one sex over the other. I just, it didn't yeah. compute for me again, because I had a dumbass brother. So it's like, it just, it, nothing made sense to me in that regard. And then, so women were, were kind of put in this purity cycle. And then there was absolutely no gay people. Yeah. Is that the same thing too with you in your religion? You know, that's another interesting question. Um, I think it it was just sort of politely not talked about. Okay. You know, because okay. in Christian science, there's no concept of sin. Like we're not original sinners. We weren't born into sin. We're not capable of sin Big because difference. we're these perfect children of God. Mm -hmm. Technically, like if the Christian stance is that being gay is a sin, just doesn't really come up. Now, did I know openly gay people who are Christian scientists? No. <laughs> but it was also the 70s and 80s where right, not everybody a lot of people out. were in the yeah. closet and people yeah. weren't coming out as trans. And it was just a totally oh, different yeah. world. I don't know oh. what it's like now, but I'm going to guess that there's still this sort of weird Christian-y stamp on like, well, you can do that, but just don't talk about it. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, which, which makes me mad because obviously that sucks. <laughs> but and it wasn't like anyone ever said anything about it. Like right. sexuality just was not discussed. Like sexuality in general just was not an issue or a thing. But it also kind of left you without any guidance. You yeah. Know? Like, what yeah. do I do with this thing? I don't, I'm not supposed to have a material body that gives me either pleasure or pain. Right. So how does sex fit into this? <laughs> I don't, where does it go? You know, where does it go? Well, it, I would also say too, what was like, now that I've, you know, gone through this process, looking back at how much sexual pressure, it's very sexually charged in the Christian. Yeah. Church. It's talked about constantly. <laughs> and it's so interesting because there's only one way to get to heaven um, there's only one. And so in order to get to heaven, you have to be married in a, in a, um, heterosexual period. Right. Um, and that you're in order to get to heaven, these are, these are the paths you have to go through. Like there's certain obstacles you have to go through in order to make heaven. And I also really, I was not sexually abused from the church but i would argue i was in some way i wasn't physically but emotionally there's no question um no question but the amount of friends i do have that were sexually abused mm. in the church is a thing so now we're talking about women's sex homosexual sex and now we're talking about sexual abuse and all three are running they're rampant i mean it's so that this as a woman and just checking in with my own soul at the time, something was off, something yeah. was off. And, but my very favorite is how creative the Christian university got around sex and how you were to, oh, it was great. We called it Christian sex and it was the best. 
you can put anything anywhere, but not the Holy of Holies. <laughs> the other Holy of Holy, you could do any Holy you have, can, you can have sex with. You know what I'm saying? But oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the Holy of Holies, you cannot penetrate. So was this something that was talked about by like elders or was it just sort of uh, whispered about amongst the students? I'm curious if this was an official policy <laughs> that oh, you could have anal sex. 100% in a policy, 100%. Wow. Yeah, no way, no way. You're not going to college, you're signing a contract. You're signing a contract that says I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah. There's so much sex going on in Christian colleges. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so it's, I mean, and that's what they should be doing. I mean, in some ways, like it's, anyway, I don't know how this all ended up on sex, but it's, <laughs> it's part of my undoing, right? It's part of being a woman and just the, the whole purity thing. And I mean, you know, I was at Thanksgiving, um, this last a couple of days ago and my grandmother was had some friends over that hadn't been over and I we had known them they were pastors of this church and da 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 da, da. and I was really good friends with their daughter and I said oh is so and so going to be there because I haven't seen her in so long and that she's like no she's not there she's accused her father of sexually assaulting her Whoa. And, you know she's crazy uh and so that really stood out to me. I was, so it's, it's that kind of stuff, right? Like we're going to believe the patriarch. We're going to believe the pastor over the children. It's all of that nonsense. I don't know. It, it gets, it, it, it gets me. It gets me. Yeah. I mean, they just released a, a series about um, uh, the IBLP, I guess, where the, the rampant sexual abuse in this evangelical group on, <laughs> they just released it. And I don't think releasing around Thanksgiving was a um, a coincidence. No, not at all. <laughs> and uh, once again, not surprising in a system like that where women are completely disempowered that you're going to have rampant sexual abuse that just goes on and on and on for decades. And people get shuffled around just like in the Catholic church, you know, the perpetrators get shuffled to a new congregation and abuse everybody there. I mean, it's yeah. so freaking gross. Well, and it's, it, it, it affects our society when you're, it, it, it just, it keeps breeding this unhealthy view of religion or religion. What am I saying? Like this unhealthy view of your sexuality. Like, I don't know. It, the, it's yeah. so perverted because they, they prey on the weak yes. with this whole thing. And then I, I don't know. It just, it really rubs me the wrong way for real. Yeah, I mean, I really hate how for so many people, sex has been just like ruined by groups like this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And your sense of yourself, of your body, of, I, I just, I wish everyone could get proper therapeutic yeah. help because yeah. everyone who's been in that, men and women, but mostly women, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wish for them that they could really heal from that. And I hate to use that term heal, but it's appropriate here. Yeah, because it's it such a, a huge and important and joyful part of life. And the fact that it's been like stigmatized and ruined is really, it's just it's awful. Tragic. It's tragic is what it is. Yeah. And I, I see, you know, I, I see these girls and trying their best and they're trying and I see them coming out of the church and they're 
they've got their bait. I just, it's so triggering. Oh yeah. The whole. Yeah. Seeing people still in it. I, I find that too. Like even when I watch documentaries, obviously not about Christian science, cause there aren't any, but <laughs> there is other groups. As far as I know, like not any major ones, you know, okay. no, no big yeah. exposés or anything like that. Um, but I see, I watch a lot of cult documentaries and whenever I see people coming in and out of churches and there's young girls and yeah, it freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. me have out. you, oh my gosh, have you watched The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? No. I'm going to say, go ahead and get on that. Okay. <laughs> that is where re- their religion is a major player on I the bet. show. Yeah. And it's so interesting and it's very similar of what we're talking about here. And, but even hardcore, like, anyway, it's fascinating. It's a good filth. Yeah. I listened to a, um, a podcast called Mormon stories and it's actually like ex Mormon stories. It's interesting. It started off being, you know, a a person who was in Mormonism and as he was doing the podcast, he kind of left. (laughs) Like he could hear himself talking almost. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's all these ex-Mormon stories. And I actually know a lot of Mormons for some reason and in various stages, like some are just full in, some are completely out, some are kind of in between. And and it's really interesting getting to know their belief system from the outside and going, oh, okay, I understand that now I see. And and again, yeah, there's a lot of purity culture, a lot of being told, you know, if you have sex, you'll be a chewed piece of gum and who wants to oh, yeah. a piece of gum and... <laughs> No, I had a, we, I was, so I had such like the most gorgeous boyfriend in high school, college. Um, and we were just, you know, doing a lot of Christian sex and, um, he had to call his mom and confess to his mother and then went to the uh, pastor and confessed that we, we weren't having intercourse, but it like the, without even consulting me, he went and told all of these people as if to like lay his burden down. And I just, I remember feeling such a hoe bag. It was like, oh my God, like it's so crazy. Like this natural thing that's happening where there's chemistry and it's completely raped by the church. Like it just, all of it. It's so sad. It really is sad. And it's still happening. Oh yeah. It's still happening. And that's, that's the part that's so interesting. So we just moved here from New York City and there's not a lot of openly evangelical people out and about in New York City. They're there, but it's just not, that's not, not the yeah. When I moved to Orange County, uh, what? <laughs> it's it's kind of a badge. It's kind of a badge. It's yeah. here. And it's still the same. It's the exact same. So yeah, I, it doesn't like it hasn't moved on with the times. It hasn't. Like it's probably the same as it was when you were a kid, which was you know. Yes. <laughs> it's alarming. It's alarming. Yeah. We moved here, and I it was in the middle of COVID, and I went outside because the there was a lot of fires happening, and there's all this like smoke from the Santa Ana winds, and I went outside, and my neighbor beautiful young woman out um, watching her kid play. And I was like, Hey, um, what is happening? I'm from New York. I don't, this isn't all new to me and the internet's down. So obviously it's apocalypse. (laughs) And she's like, Oh, 
these are the fires. Um, this is a true story. She goes, this is, um, the apocalypse is coming. Whoa. Okay. This is a neighbor. And she's like, listen, the apocalypse is coming and you need to repent and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and savior. And that is when I was like, holy fuck, where am I living? I had, I had no idea people still did this. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, it was so jarring. This beautiful woman witness. First of all, bitch, how do you know I don't have, I don't, you don't just, do I look and you just, oh, there's a thinner that's what sinners look like I didn't yeah know. it was so bizarre yeah anyway it must have been so triggering for you you know <laughs> yeah it was it, it really it really I just I I kind of can't believe it's still happening yeah. and you must have that too like people younger than you that are still in this church and this organization and it's I don't know it's, yeah I mean I've said on here before like I can't believe any group like this has survived the internet you know it's such a great point yeah <laughs> information age now you guys have information at yeah, everybody has a fucking phone like yeah. there's no reason <laughs> that you can't get information <laughs> yeah it's it's really interesting yeah well it goes to show that like even if they were exposed to the scandals or the truth of these things mm-hmm. I mean, people stay in these groups for many complex reasons. And it's not just because, oh, it stopped making sense. Like people stay in for their families. They stay in because it feels safe, maybe. There's sure. just so many reasons. And and unfortunately, exposure to information, as we've seen, is not enough to get people out. Because you'll just deny it. I mean, I, I certainly had enough people challenge me as a young girl about Christian science and tell me how crazy it was. And I didn't leave. So, you know, (laughs) they would point out all the hypocrisy and all this stuff and say things about the leader, Mary Baker Eddy, and how she was really, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. And it wasn't enough. Nope, it wasn't enough. Because the thing is, I think it was providing something else for us as well that we couldn't let go of until we got to a better place in some ways. For me, that, that was my experience. Like, I... I mean, I, we, so I was born into, um, the hippie seventies, you know, my, I was born on a commune. Mm. My parents were in a commune, a Christian commune, um, again, young and dumb. But I mean, when you think of a commune, it's it, I was like, oh, that sounds so lovely. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, they, they weren't allowed to see my, we weren't allowed to see people in the commune. My, mm. they had strict visitation rights to outside family members. So that doesn't feel right. Um, but going through, I went to a Christian high school where a lot of, there was a lot of good people at that high school. And that's where it gets tricky because there's really good people there. Yeah. And so how do you thread as a kid? Ah, this doesn't make sense. Let me just deny that all that, all those parts of me. Cause I really want connection. Yeah. I really want connection with these people. I need connection. I'm fucking 15. I need, I need connection, right? We need yeah, to- and you need to feel like you fit in and belong to a group. And I mean, all of this is normal human stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I certainly didn't want to let go of anything. And then I was winning Christianity. I was stamping the car, girl, what did you need? I was in the choir. I was going, I was witnessing to people. I was going on. I spent so many, when people were going to spring break, I was going to Mexico, witnessing to the, <laughs> to the poor brown people. Oh, like, God. I mean, the cringe. Whole, <laughs> it's so cringy when yeah. you go back and just, Meanwhile, my, I would leave my house, which was a hot bed of crazy to go save people to I get the, none of it. I couldn't even save myself. Right. You know? It's like, am I qualified to do this? <laughs> it's so crazy. And so, yeah. So yeah. talk about um, coming out of it. Like what, how did the, the pieces fall? Were there specific things that happened or yeah. Like how did yeah, you come it, out of like belief in general? Yeah, I think um, your sister and I actually were really on the same cycle, which mm -hmm. was really crazy to have somebody else go through this that you didn't know. Like I knew her, we had met in New York and in work. And so it. I'm going to tag back around with Madeline because we were, she was a real help during that time. We were both really struggling because you're coming out of an identity that you don't, there isn't anything else. You didn't invest anywhere else. I have no investment anywhere else. So um, when, when I got to New York, we started attending at this time in my journey, I had gotten out of evangelicalism and straight into Catholicism. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. We were going to a very progressive church that was very progressive, that wasn't considered um, part of the diocese or whatever that is. But so it was a, it was called the Paulus Center, really good people, a lot of women speaking, a lot of, it was more about like helping homeless people and whatever, whatever. So when we moved out of, Bo that was in Boston. And then when I moved to New York, we started going to another church. And when I would walk in, I just started getting panic attacks. Mm, yeah. It. It's like your and body I was telling you. Yeah. And so my husband was like, he was really into it. And like, it would cause problems. Like I'm going to not go to church on Sunday and he would feel it like, Oh, like, and it's that old cycle again, coming up. I'm not doing good enough. That was getting worked out in my marriage too. So, um, one day and then I, and then court, and then around the same time I started therapy mm. And so therapy really helped. And she wasn't a believer in anything. And it was fascinating to me. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to tell you some stuff about how I was raised and this dude, Jesus, and this whole hell, heaven and hell stuff. And she thought I was crazy. Mm. And it was so refreshing for somebody to hold space and go, um, I'm not sure that's right. We're, I'm not sure that's helping you in your holistic journey here with me. So that was happening. And then it, I would be going, so I still would try to tag into church. And all of a sudden I said to my husband, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to go, I'm going to give up church for Lent. 
<laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I gave up. I literally said, I'm going to give up church for Lent and I'm going to start going when I don't feel so horrible that I'm not going. Does that make sense? Yeah. You didn't want to be guilted into going. Yeah. To go and I never went back. Yeah. And I never went back. So that was the beginning of my separation from all religion. Now, when I went back home and told my grandmother that I was Catholic, they would witness to me. They thought I was totally backslidden. Half my family wouldn't talk to me. They, they stopped talking to me because I was Catholic. Yeah. Okay. Like in this, in the evangelical world, when I was like 17, I went to Romania to be in a choir called the singing cross where we went and all we did, we flew all the way around the world to go sing in a choir in the shape of a cross to you ready for it to Catholics to save them. <laughs> so now that's some inner workings right there. So now that's the power struggle of the religion that I was in. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Christian scientists in particular have this weird beef with Catholics <laughs> And we've all it. been trying to figure out why is this? And I, I don't know that anyone really has the answer, but I know that growing up, our mother would always make these weird little offhand comments about Catholics in particular, mm -hmm. that they were like working against us in some way and getting together and like conspiring. <laughs> Did you ever try to witness to them? So how I do you recruit thankfully. people to your religion? <laughs> How did you recruit people to your religion? No, because proselytizing wasn't really a thing in Christian science. Thank God. Um, I definitely okay. talked about it and tried to influence people in ways that I'm super embarrassed by now. Oh my God, girl. Don't I mean, I did like try to get people into it in a sense of, hey, I'm into this cool thing and I, you know, I want to tell you about it. And I, I, I want to find each and every one of those people and personally apologize to them because okay. it's so embarrassing that I did this. But I will say it's not like a policy. It's not something you're asked to do. It's not something you're expected to do. It's not really talked about. Like, go witness to people. That's just not a thing. I think yeah. it's just, again, like the sex thing and the not drinking. And I somehow got the message that as like a good Christian person, yeah, that don't hide your light under a bushel, you know, 100%. that you, it is something that you need to like, you need to be a good example and you need to, if someone shows an interest, talk to them, yeah. you know, see if yeah. they want to come to a church service, see if they want to go to a reading room, you know? Yeah. I, um, I have this funny story that in college that I have to tell you about. So, um, evangelical college, my roommate, I'm not going to say her name, um, was a big superstar in the Christian world because her father was on Trinity Broadcast Network. And he was, he had a standing show in San Jose and had a ton of following. Um, and they were basically, this family was like the epitome of what a good Christian family would look like. They had like four or five kids, whatever. And uh, my college roommate was the last born. So she got we got all the benefits of it. And he used to work with this huge pastor called Benny Hen. Hmm. Look him up. <laughs> and I, and if people know Benny Hen, I got to meet him 
I got to go on, he was a, he was selling out. I mean, he is the, he's the, what, Amway of religion. I mean, this guy would sell out like call it like not coliseums, these huge arenas. So he was coming to Portland. I was living in Seattle at the time in college and we got invited to go and be with him and be front row to this huge evangelical sold out, like four days sold out packed arena in Portland. And so we go and I'm super cute at the time. And I'm I'm pretending I'm virginal and all the things. I am showing up for Christianity, girl. Okay. <laughs> Mama needed to get a husband. I was 20. TikTok, it was late. <laughs> so I came, I came with an agenda. <laughs> they put us up in the fancy five-star hotel. Um, it was lovely. Um, went to the shows and Benny Hinn is, I got to meet him. You've got to look into it. You've got to look into it. So he was staying at the same hotel as I, as we were, and he would not, he was not, he would never have a hotel. He would never sleep in the same hotel with his wife because the spirit of Christ was too big. And the only people who could stay in his suite were the two bodyguards, the males. And, you know, neither here nor there, but um, I just found it interesting that this woman, this woman of God, this wog, we called her. Um, that's right. Don't mess with the wogs. Um, wouldn't be able to sleep with her husband in the same room. I mean, they are making fat stacks. They are printing money at these places. First of all, we also need to talk about how lucrative it is to be in a cult. Yeah. Great for business. For some <laughs> For this the top line, as I like to call this, it. I was in the top line front row Joe and these, and it was, it was like, I was in a, I was a celebrity. He brought us up on stage, wow. he put hands on me. There's probably video of it. I was slain in the spirit. Um, but when you have, I don't know, 15, 20,000 people staring at you, you fucking, you jump monkey, you do it, you perform. And again, I was 20 and I was, I didn't have a husband then. So I had to get some somewhere. So, it, I mean, it's, it's this kind of stuff. And so we went, we went in the back after the big performance and he saved so many people. So many people came to Christ and we go in the back and um, we're having dinner and he's a little bitch. He's a bitch. And it was so like all this stuff, all these things were like, what? it was crazy and then he comes up to me in the middle of dinner like we're all having dinner and he comes up to me and lays his hands on me and these two sexy dudes that sleep with him in his room they caught me girl and I was not mad <laughs> <laughs> you have to play the game and that's what I was doing right I was trying to win I was trying to win Christianity I thought each, I literally believed that there was a hell up until like Obama was in office. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like, it gets in your brain there. So yeah. that's an interesting point about hell. Cause I realize this is a huge issue for people. Yeah. That it's are. not just divorce. It's eternal fire damnation. Yeah. So talk about that process of letting go of the fear of hell. It still sneaks up on me, girl. 
every now and then. Um, what if? Right? That it's that what if? What if they were right? What if there's what if the universe has come up with a plan to have fire and brimstones? And because you did weed last night, that's where you're in a that's where you're gonna burn all night <laughs> for the rest of eternity. Um I think to be um to be honest, I think hell started coming apart for me when I realized Adam and Eve story was probably also also a myth. And what a great myth that was for the man. Yeah. Right? What a great started, started thousands of years of misogyny. Uh-huh. basically <laughs> we are ribs of adam i don't know if you knew that <laughs> yeah so we're ribs of adam <laughs> and we in our nakedness said i want that apple come over here and eat with me bitch and then adam comes over and then all sin and hellfire breaks loose so it's all our fault and it's all our fault so i want to recreate the whole eve story um where I just, I just don't know. I don't want to recreate it. That's the wrong thing to say, but I just, I think those things are connected. Oh yeah. The, the Adam and Eve and the hell story. And I just, I, I think we do a pretty damn good job of doing hell on earth to our own emotionalness. And I, I don't, I think this is it <laughs> at the end of the day. I think it might be it. Yeah. I mean, that's my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. You know, no. I could be wrong. I don't know. I haven't. We don't know. Died and come back, but I'm certainly not going to believe in things that are extremely unlikely. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> and then to tell your boys and to tell your kids, here's the thing. If you have sex, because I don't want my daughter to get pregnant or diseased or what all the negative things that will happen if if I can tell her hey listen if you have sex before you're married um you're gonna burn in hell can you imagine telling that my daughter's 16 I cannot even imagine fucking her life up more than to tell her that yeah it makes me want to cry yeah yeah I I Every day, I, I'm so pleased that my children are not growing up in Christian science. <laughs> I yeah. yeah. I think of, you know, again, I, I'll always say that it it did give me some comfort and some peace. Yeah. that I mean, that is true. But as yeah. a friend of mine pointed out, like you, if I'd lived in a, in a peaceful and comforting household, <laughs> which I didn't. Right. I wouldn't have needed to tell myself lies to find comfort and peace, you know? And, and I think that's what happens, right? In some ways they be, they, the church takes, this is the rules. I didn't have any rules at home. This is the, they give you structure. Here's the, here's the, here's the structure. And it only is going to cost you your soul. (laughs) Yeah. But as a kid, and that's the other thing, the praying on the, I don't know. I just, uh, it's, it's really upsetting. I, I can't imagine. I don't, I, I, I mean, and we still have friends who are in it. Um, and it's a trip. It's a trip to let them just experience it. And like, 
in this much as I'm not going to save you from heaven, I can't save you from your own beliefs. Like you have to get there somewhere somehow. Right. I'm not in charge of everybody's salvation. God damn it. It's a (laughs) lot of pressure. Yeah. And the thing is for most like heterosexual people that happen to find a good partner and don't have like major health issues, you know, they can be in a system like that and it's mostly fine. But when it all falls apart is when somebody's gay or somebody's trans or somebody's disabled or, you know, it's like, that's where it all fucking falls apart and it doesn't work anymore. Or you wear a short skirt because that was mine. Yeah. Or spaghetti strap or. (laughs) And what we wear, it it reminds me of another world religion, like the silkiness of their hair. Their hair has to, like, because we're going to, we're going to, men are going to backslide. Right. If they see our pure body, and it'll because be our they can't control themselves, not theirs. Yeah, <laughs> that's sorry. You want me to tell that to my daughter? You want me to teach my sons that? Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pleased that we can raise boys in a time where there's so much more understanding about things like that and about like rape culture and not objectifying women and. You know, I, we had an incident in our swing dance world where there was a person harming women. I'll just say that. And this was in like 2015. So it was actually like right before there was this big cultural shift Mm -hmm. regarding women and, you know, assault and things like that. And there were some people that were ahead of the curve who were saying, I believe you to the victims you know, and, and just completely rallying behind them. And there were some people that were doing that old, what were you wearing? Why were you there? You wanted something out of this too. And I have to say, I think a lot of those people would not be saying that now because there's just been so much education and information. And I'm definitely one of those people. I mean, I'm a product of the seventies and eighties. I watched all these shitty eighties teen comedies where like having sex with a unconscious girl is like comedy you know i mean i grew up with all that shit too and i've had to unravel it in my own brain and really examine my own thoughts about myself about other women and how other women are like supposed to behave and stop judging people and yeah it's it's been a huge education and i can't even imagine having religion on top of that (laughs) right and that you're and that you're eternal life so this life is like there was a big joke going around in the evangelical church where um this lady was like i'm gonna charge all my credit card because jesus is coming back i can live however i want um because jesus is coming back kind of thing there was a whole point to that and it's gone i just it's completely gone i don't know why i brought that up but it yeah i don't know Sorry. Well, I can I can jump in on that because this is one of my favorite stories um, is this concept of, which again, we did not have in Christian science, thankfully, uh, it's preparing for Armageddon or Jesus returning or whatever, some kind of end of the world as we know it. Look, we didn't really did have, not that, have that. No. Not. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But um, one of my favorite historical stories is of the Millerites, which were the original, they became Jehovah's Witnesses later. Oh, fun. And they've, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses are an Armageddon based group. It's very much okay. about Armageddon, apparently. Okay. This is 
what's a new thing I learned. Oh, um, so the Millerites, and I think the 1840s, they they were following this leader who said the world is coming to an end. You know, sell sell off all your properties, let all your crops fail, and come join me on the mountain at this date and time, and we'll all ascend up to heaven and be with yes. Jesus. Yes. And of course, it didn't happen as it never yes. does. <laughs> and this this phenomenon of this moment for these people is called the Great Disappointment. No. <laughs> Is it is it still hashtag great disappointment? <laughs> yeah, I mean you can look it up in Wikipedia. Like it's a real thing that they call, and I'm always like, well, that's first of all, that's my new band name. A. <laughs> Second of all, that's amazing. Amazing. And I'm shocked that this keeps happening, where people keep throwing their material lives away and running up their credit cards and giving away all their money to some te televangelist because they really think the second yeah. coming is imminent. Even though we've been told this for hundreds and maybe thousands of years, and it still has never happened when people say it will. 100%. Because yeah. it's ridiculous. It, the whole thing is, it's science fiction. I mean, it's a, it's a sci-fi movie is yeah. what it is. That's why I love sci-fi, because it makes, at least in that world, it makes sense. This is yeah. reality. So let me get this straight. I'm going to sacrifice my entire life on planet Earth. The one I get, the one shot I get, hoping to get to fucking death in heaven none of that makes sense to me yeah none and of as an ex-mormon pointed out to me that their promise is that you'll be able to live with your family in heaven for all eternity and they're like i have to live with these people that's a no thank you that's a that's hard not pass. that doesn't sound so great to me <laughs> <laughs> start thinking with your like so i can't have any fun you cannot have any fun and then i have to hurry up and die it it, it it just doesn't make any sense to me and it's so dark i mean it's so dark to enforce upon anybody but especially children constant oh. thoughts of death and destruction and children shouldn't be thinking about that shit like no, they shouldn't be thinking that's about awful that. how traumatizing is that <laughs> traumatizing because that's that's what it was for me like you oh god it's just so painful to think about it because I had to sacrifice I don't know you nobody was per, no one protects the children that's the thing they think they are protecting the children by placing them in these camps yeah but one time I was at a, a youth group I went to youth group all the time I did I have done so much church it's my high school, I was at church at chapel every Wednesday, high school, college, chapel, ev chapel every day. But I was, I am proud to say I flunked chapel my senior year <laughs> and on my transcripts. Wow. Why did you flunk it? What happened? Because I couldn't take the bullshit. I could mm. not take it. So, st so stuff had started bubbling for me. My me being a woman, me coming into my own started bubbling and just seeing all the hypocrisy, the the shame-based love yeah. that was being touted. Um the I'm better than you, the judgments. Oh, doesn't it feel great when you're the one judging? Right? I mean, it's so great. It feels so great. Um, and being in that position and that you're you know something better than all these other people. They're all going to burn in hell. I can smell the smoke from here. You know, it's this whole thing. Yeah. 
It's, I don't know. I just, I, that was, that was a real hard part for me. Um, and like one of the dudes was sexually assaulting some of my college roommates and like, that's the thing that shit is happening and it blows the lid right off. Yeah. So I think, you know, as a, as a, as a woman, just seeing all of this, just kind of just making sense for myself outside of what the church was telling me, at least I had a soul in there knocking saying, Hey, Hey, hey you're yeah, okay. There was something in you that just said, this isn't right. Yeah. I don't feel more freedom. In fact, I feel less. In fact, I feel more judged than I've ever felt. I f- so I keep going. So I sin during the week, come back, ask and repent and then go back out. And it's this constant cycle and it's exhausting. Yeah, It's exhausting. I'm tired thinking about it. Can we just be okay on a Tuesday? Yeah. <laughs> our lives. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, that was the most freeing thing for me, leaving the the like actual practice of Christian science, as I've talked about, like, like all these religions, you know, they make you do so much stuff. <laughs> you have to show up and go to things and like read shit and spend a lot of time praying and just the freedom from all of that. Like you said, it's exhausting, like physically yeah. exhausting, not even, you know, let's not even talk about emotionally <laughs> exhausting but it's just so much crap that you don't need in your life like can I just get up on a Sunday and enjoy some waffles and just stare out the window like I just want yeah, to do no, that no there's no there's no divine in that there's no god in that yeah I mean the whole <laughs> thing is batshit um <laughs> one thing that was really hammered 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 home with me is me third have you heard of that mm me third god first other second me third oh okay so the me third mentality um is so you just get further and further and further away from you right because if god's first first of all what does that mean thank god there's a man a white man telling me what that means okay so there's that then um other second period other second so there's no there's no mask there's no emergency kit for me first it's i get that if the plane is going down if god is nowhere then i have to put it on my passenger so that i die in their place it's very hairball and that was what therapy was able to help me understand oh i don't need to feel shame for not going to church or wearing the skirt like this isn't like I have a self in there and that's that's kind of important too not does that make sense the me pisses me off I was gonna say I have this very intense memory of being six years old and I had a little friend who was maybe like eight and she was I think she was also a Christian scientist she must have been um and she told me that concept. She didn't call it that. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember very distinctly having this conversation where it was, you're not allowed to put yourself first. It should always be about other people. You're never allowed to. And she even said like, you just can't think of yourself. Like, don't ever think about yourself and what you want. It's always other people. Oppressive, and oppressive. that was 
very intense in me. Like I, I internalized that at six and it just carried on. And it's probably still there, this feeling. I mean, especially for women, you know, we tend to. It ties together. A lot. This is is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's still a lot of guilt about putting yourself first, about doing self-care, about doing things you want to do. Yeah. There's a lot of guilt. It's, it's funny. Like this is kind of a pinnacle and it like we're, my daughter is able to go on this spring break trip to Spain and Mediterranean. They're like doing these beautiful things and it costs a fortune <laughs> money and all this. I mean, I was going to Mexico and okay. Just in witnessing. So there's like this pride, like, yes, I'm going to, yes, she's going to actually go enjoy a culture and not yes. witness to it and save it yes. juxtaposed to, so I'm about to turn 50 and there's a, um, a big birthday celebration in Palm Springs for me. And, it's not even near as much as it is for my daughter's trip. And I am struggling. I'm still struggling to justify the cost for me to spend $600 or whatever, a thousand dollars versus my, I'm still, it still plays out. And it's, and it's tricky. I'm okay to sacrifice for my kids. That's all I, I'm okay with that. That's, that's okay. But I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sacrifice. I'm talking about, this is innate in me. Yeah. She is more, others are more important than me. Yep. But now I'm almost 50 bitch and TikTok shit is about me. Yeah. Not a fucking, right? Like, I don't, and I don't mean that like women aren't supposed to say that, but there is a level of truth to that. I've got to take care of me and my own mental health and Oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's hard. The wires are definitely hardwired or I'm hardwired that way. Yeah. I mean, Madeline and I both struggle from that and I would um, chalk it up more to being raised by a narcissistic mother than Christian science, to be honest, but yeah. having those two things together <laughs> yeah. really compounded this thing of like, it's never okay if it's about you. You know, we actually bought when when we both came out of our mother relationship, we both got this book about written for daughters, adult daughters of narcissistic mothers. And it's called um, Will I Ever Be Enough or Will It Ever Be About Me or something like that? Or like, when is it okay for it to be about me? <laughs> is it my turn or is it time yeah. for heaven or hell now? <laughs> when is it my turn? And I know one of the first things that Mad said to me before she even really split from our mother the, one of the first terms she used, which I knew meant that something was happening with her mentally, she said, you know, I'm just sick of being a people pleaser. And I was like, Ooh. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, stay there. <laughs> she said, I'm just going to make a New Year's resolution. I'm just not going to be a people pleaser anymore. And I was yeah, like, okay, that, well, right? that sounds great. Let's, you know, <laughs> I support that. <laughs> That's, that is wild. It's wild, radical freedom. Can you imagine? Yeah. Thing? Can you imagine? And like, you know, it's funny when I, when, when we were driving to college, I went to Northwest University. They had just changed the name from Northwest Bible College. Um, just to give you an idea where I was heading. Um, and my grandmother and my mom, and my brother, and we drove up from California up until Seattle. And we like laid over in Portland and we're sitting there and my grandma and I got in this huge fight. And my grandmother is the matriarch of our family. She is the matriarch, right? She's 95. She's still kicking it. Mm. Uh, 
but she's still, I mean, just at Thanksgiving started sobbing because she saw us drinking wine, sobbing, kind of, kind of held me and said, do you see Jesus? He misses you. And like starts crying and just this Mm -hmm. whole feeling. And I was telling my mom and she goes, you know, Sarah, if you could just give her, give her a little Jesus, like tell her you're okay. So she can die peacefully. Mm. So that's just kind of where it is now. But back then when we were driving up to college, we got in this big fight and I would never do this with her because me third, me third, um, and she was like, Sarah, what you're gonna, what you're gotta do? Because basically, I was going to college to meet, to meet my husband, and I would say probably ninety five percent of the women I knew were going to college to meet their Christian, to Christian counterpart, and um, that's so fucking gross when I think about it. Um, we were babies, just babies, and my grandmother said, well even though she was dropping me off at college, she's like, you still need to be able to serve the Lord and make a good meal, Sarah. Otherwise you're not going to be able to be a good wife. And I remember just feeling like, well, why the fuck am I going to call it? it, it, it none, none of it made sense. Because I think a lot was happening at that time, Hillary. I think trying to figure out how to be a woman, trying to figure out how to be happy, no. Are you allowed to be happy? Are you allowed to oh, yeah. even think about your own happiness? <laughs> it's crazy. And it's funny to watching my, my daughter be free in her body. And I, it's so different. It's so different. It's so different. I'm so proud of her, you know, yeah. I'm proud of us that we, we did that anyway. I just, yeah. I, I mean, I've definitely found it fascinating as my kids get older, watching them at their ages and thinking about where I was at, at their age, yeah, you know, mentally and where I was with Christian science. And especially as my older boy starts to get to be junior high school age, that's where it was all like really intense for me. And yes. I, I think of those years with a great deal of sadness and shame, honestly, <laughs> that sure. was the time when I had terrible trichotillomania. I used to pull out my eyelashes cause I was so anxious. And that went on for years and was like this horrible nightmarish thing in my life that in a way was kind of an early step out of Christian science because I could not stop doing it. I could not heal myself of this thing. Your spirit was like, your soul inside of you was like, something's off. Something's yeah. Off. I was like, oh. in, in Christian science, they say, I can't get a handle on it. And that's, I kept, I kept having, I cannot get a handle on this. Why is this so out of control? And I felt so out of control because it's a compulsive disorder where you really you don't want to do the thing (laughs) sure keep doing it for some bodily stress hormone reason and release and And release it was a relief from whatever I was feeling as a you know pubescent girl and you know I look at my son and it's not like he's not going to have his own struggles unique to today's world and being a boy and things I don't understand but he's free of that he's free of if you have a problem you have to fix it you know, he's free of like, because deep down, even though we didn't have the concept of sin, there was this thing of, if you're struggling, look into yourself to see what you did 
to cause this struggle. So it's similar. It's like we might as well have had sin for how it was. Yeah, it is. We called it, we called it, you you have unconfessed sin. So if you have, if your, if your marriage is falling apart, there's unconfessed sin. If you're, if you're overweight, unconfessed sin. If you're, insert anything, unconfessed sin. Mm. So it was constantly making you look at it's well, you second guess everything at that point, because is this going to cause me to sin? And Jesus is a fickle bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I mean, from what this is, is telling me, like I could got to walk on the straight and narrow in order to get to heaven. Yeah. And then there are instances where you know you've done nothing wrong and yet some bad thing happens to you. I had a bad thought. I had a bad it's like thought. Well, Even your thinking is sin. Yeah. You know what but I you mean? You can't win. You cannot win. You cannot win. But it is interesting you're bringing up the kids because it is a different, watching them go through the cycle that we, when we were that age, is so, it, it brings up a lot. And I'm also like, fuck yeah, Sarah, good fucking job. You did this you're able you were able to not lay your daughter with these burdens does that make you know what I mean like I can't so so that it frees up her to be in her own body yeah listen to her yes it's really interesting it's really interesting yeah I mean I know that hopefully on a minor level you know because they were raised by me my kids will inherit certain things that For probably sure. aren't that positive. You, but, mean you got some un- unconfessed sin, Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I always think like, so my mother was the child of an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. She was not an alcoholic herself, thankfully, mm-hmm. but I was raised by the child of an alcoholic. Good point. So yeah. It's like this multi-generational thing yeah. That just passes down. So whatever like anxiety, depression, you know, whatever weirdness she got from growing up in that household, she Bada then bang. raised me with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like you- to think that as as the years go by and as time goes by and we become more aware and people go to therapy, which I've certainly done, that we can like remove the the intergenerational trauma down to just like a dull whisper. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The and it's like my kids are the great grandchildren of an alcoholic. <laughs> it's there. It, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're not. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. It's a little, it's a little crazy when you think about it like that. Um, too. Have you heard of that book? The body keeps score. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read it. Have you? I mean, I'm, it's hard. It's a hard one. It's hard, but I think that there's some really good stuff with that, but breaking generational shit is my jam. Yeah. Breaking is my cycles. Jam. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I fuck up all the time. Um, but my, my apology in the moment to my kids, sometimes I feel like I'm on an apology tour a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, yeah. that's an old track. That's an old track that just came into my consciousness. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, and then you have to kind of, cause I'm not trying to put my stuff on you. Yeah. My kids are all through adoption. So it's a different kind of, it's not so much genetic, but it's still there. They're dealing with their own genetic stuff and makeup. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a sensitive and an honor to like raise these children. And my husband always says, I just want to do as least as much damage as humanly possible. Yeah. 
And then say you're sorry for the rest. Yeah. And a genuine apology goes a long way with children. <laughs> Has Did you ever get an apology? <laughs> Have you ever gotten an apology from an adult when you were that age? No. Oh, fuck no, you nope. weren't. Nobody gave you space to say, oh, I see you, Hillary. No. I see you. Children Let me couldn't have anxiety. Children couldn't be depressed. Children couldn't. No, that didn't exist. That existed only for adults. <laughs> that is who got it the most. <laughs> yeah. So, so Sarah, where are you at now as far as, you know, mental health, like your beliefs? How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. My so therapy really helped. It changed my life um, until ironically, and this is interesting. I was in it in a long time um, that it started feeling, it started feeling like a religion. Mm. And I was ready to say, I'm at, I'm at my max and I'm going to, th- this is what therapy was able to do for me. I was at my max and I told my therapist, I'm ready to I don't know if I'll ever be cured in the therapeutic process. And and that's another thing with therapy. Like, so I was like, this is starting to feel religious. Now, granted, it changed my life in every way. Um, I realized I had a self and I was able to, to, to advocate for myself. And part of that was saying, you know, after five years of three days a week therapy, I was in intensive therapy at the time. Um, Not honestly, I was surviving a, I was having a nervous breakdown in some ways because again, this is the only community you've never known. These are the rules you live by. And it's your family that you genuinely care about, you know? It's so (laughs) confusing and hard and, oh God, it was really hard. And so therapy was able to catch me and reframe. Um, So from that, I feel like I've been able to, I really, it's really important for me to understand and name things for me, my feelings. I like to process things. I'm a processor. Let's do it out loud. Let's get there together. And that's probably my religion, to be honest, if I had to have one, is yeah. connection and community Um is super valuable to me, but not so much so that I lose myself. Does that make sense? Anytime oh, yeah. I feel like I'm losing my my sense of myself is when I have to take a back step. Yeah. I'm the only one here. I, I This is the only thing I am in charge of is myself. So my mental health, it's been a lot. Like the first time I sat on the sofa at the therapist, I said, I feel like I'm going to tell you something and a bolt of lightning might come down and you might be fried in the process. But I actually don't think Jesus, I think he was probably a cool dude. Um, but I'm, I just don't believe he died for my sins and um, rose from the dead three days later so that I could be completely fucked up. It was, it, was, it, it and I didn't die from it. A bolt of lightning didn't shoot out of the sky. And I was like, oh, so interesting. I didn't die because I renounce Jesus. It was really, it was really great. It was really, I didn't die. That was the great news. Yeah. I thought I was going to die too. Didn't. Yeah. When I finally loud, like I don't believe in God anymore. I really thought I was going to walk out of my front door and get hit by a bus. And that would be it. it. 
Like I was convinced I was going to die. <laughs> like yeah. it, it scares me even now talking about it. Like yeah. it's, there's a it's, little bit like maybe it's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a badass story. A bunch of scary and kill Sarah. <laughs> but no, it's, it really, it's, I've done a lot of work around it mentally, Hillary, and your sister and I, thank God, were cycling, getting out of religion literally around the same time. And like, I remember your sister like recommending books to me through Christian Science. And I was super interested because I was still in my thing. And then when we both started pulling away, we're both like, oh my God, we might lose everything. Our moms, my family. But I'm st- I'm not dead. I didn't die from it. I didn't die from losing my religion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't stress that enough that it's <laughs> how real that fear was of actually dying. <laughs> I really genuinely thought I was going to die. 1000%. I can totally like just even talking about it and knowing that if my any of my family were to listen to this or some of my family, just how it'd be devastating, devastating, because in, in their mind, I have died. In their mind, I have chose um, the fiery brimstone of make believe hell. Meanwhile, these women and these people are in fucking hell on earth with their yeah. own fucking thing. Like it's crazy. Like it's, the definition of irony right there, you know. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. I mean, it's para- but it's paralyzing. And when it, you're hardwired with how to survive, how to survive life in a certain prescribed way, it's really, it's a lot of work to undo it. Yeah. Yeah, in Christian science, the the main coping mechanism is denial. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, just pretend it's not real. Don't talk about it. Don't look at it. Don't point at it. It's like that scene from Spinal Tap. Well, don't don't point. Don't at the guitar. You know, it's like, don't look at it. Don't point at it. Don't breathe on it. (laughs) It's like that. That's so great. You know, so having to find alternate coping mechanisms that aren't just don't look at it is difficult. Like I was never taught coping mechanisms. I was never taught conflict resolution, which is something I had to learn the hard way when I finally got into like yeah. a real adult relationship, something yes. I had no concept of. Yes. <laughs> yes. Isn't that crazy? And once again, I have to thank the media because if I didn't watch tons of like television and reality shows, especially ones that are about therapy, that are about relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I they fucking do. know how to do anything. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's right. I learned. Totally. <laughs> it's so true, though. Yeah. It's it's really funny. So, do you have friends who have who have never been in any sort of organized religion? Oh yeah, lots. And who look at you who think you're crazy, or like that you grew up like it's so different how we grew up from a lot of the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think, sh- sure. I mean, if if I ever had a conversation really describing it, I think, yes, they would think I was crazy. Yeah. But I also think they're my friends and they have a lot of empathy for me. So 
totally. I just find myself when I'm explaining to my friends who were raised like not like this at all. And they're like, wait, what? Wait, what? And I'm like, oh, so that, oh, so that didn't happen to you? Oh, that's so weird. Like it's a, it's almost like a comparison. And then sometimes I feel a little bit still sad about it. Like I, I feel like I survived a lot of my life instead yeah, of my life. And that's, I just, I gave up church for Lent. I just had to, because I can't, can't do it anymore. I'm exhausted. Yeah. It's too much. It's asking too much. And I want to put on some dancing shoes before I fucking die. Exactly. Claim no? some joy here. Yeah. yeah. That's one big regret I have is, and again, a regret kind of implies that you could have done something differently, which exactly. I couldn't have. No, you but couldn't I, I regret that I spent so much of my young life in so much emotional turmoil. I mean, I was a very, very profoundly unhappy person in my 20s and 30s, even though I was doing a lot of like fun and interesting things. Yeah. Um I was depressed. I was very depressed and had a lot of anxiety and panic attacks that at times really ruined my life. It made me like able, functional. Were you able to identify when you were having depression and anxiety or did you just think like, where were you in knowing you, that word depressed was a real word? I think I knew. You did. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like I couldn't identify it. Yeah. But I didn't know what to do about it. Like I knew I was having panic attacks. I knew what to call them. Yeah. And at one point when I was even in Christian science, I, I happened to have health insurance through this union I was in and I went and tried to get beta blockers. You know, I just yeah. went in like, look, I'm non-functional. <laughs> like I can barely leave the house. And yeah. so they didn't really, they were like, well, why don't you start with this? And so I, I took like one and then felt guilty and just like never did it again. Cause in my mind, like, oh, it didn't work. You know, <laughs> like yeah. didn't really give it a shot. Yeah. But I, I really, really wish that I had known earlier um, stuff about toxic relationships, which I didn't understand until, you know, the last like decade or so. I wish I'd known about way practical ways to handle anxiety, yeah. which I had to teach myself through, I've talked about this in Madeline's episode, through um, that series, This Emotional Brain. Yeah, realized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we can actually train ourselves out of yeah. this loop, this cycle, because anxiety is like a tornado of yeah. cyclic, <laughs> cyclic things. Yeah, there, there are techniques. It's not you know I'll always be an anxious person. I may have some terrible instance later in life where I'll go through a really anxious period and have panic hey. attacks again. You know, life is life. Things happen. Yep. yep. But I can honestly say that I at least now have tools. I had no tools right. for most of my adult life. And I feel like I wasted a huge amount of time panicking, being depressed, yeah. not being joyful. <laughs> and it was a waste. It was a waste because I was a young, healthy. Well, and and, and, and for me, I, I think similarly, I think when that, I don't know, you know, maybe this is childhood stuff and just being raised again by wolves. I mean, I was raised by wolves, basically, my, you know, and there's a ton of depression, a ton of anxiety, and we weren't allowed to have that. Yeah. Right. Because it was unconfessed sin. Yeah. And so I remember our father left when we were young, very young and just a total a-hole. And um, 
at the altar calls, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times people came up to me in that fucking church and would say, you've got to forgive your father. Ooh. Yeah, your father. Hey, bitch, how do you, sus- I'm, I'm 10. How do so I, I don't even- God. And it's, and it's an urgency. You must forgive. Okay, well, I, I'm 10. You just love, he keeps leaving, he keeps re-injuring. And then my mom's re-injuring and Ugh. thank God the church is here to tell me what steps I need to do. And I, I mean, and round and round we go. And the only way it stopped for me is getting the fuck out. Yeah. Well, and there's nothing more aggravating, infuriating really than being told to forgive somebody who probably doesn't deserve to be forgiven. First of all. <laughs> no. And that's so interesting right there. That right there is is powerful, right? Because when you're in a religion, you have to forgive. Yeah. That's kind of or else brimstones, guys. It's brimstones. Very, very toxic. I've had I've had major issues with, and this exists in Christian science too, to some extent, this call to forgive all the time, no matter what. And all turn the-, the other cheek like Jesus did, you know. And I just think that's complete bullshit. (laughs) Well, it's so invalidating, right? It's so, I need to remind you yet again that you're not a person. You're not your own individual. This is part, like forgiveness is so loaded with the church. I actually think if I can just learn to forgive my, like forgive myself, let's just start with that. That I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Okay, you don't I don't know. You know, I, I just it it's too much, Hillary. Put <laughs> on these kids. It's too much. Yeah, here's a a pretty dark story, but this is very Christian science. So as you know, many children have died because of lack of medical care. And there is one story, I don't remember whose story it is, but I, I probably wouldn't say their name anyway, but um who, you know, in the process of losing their toddler, you know, who was sort of dying in front of them over several days, one of the practitioners, which would be like the Christian science doctor that they called for prayerful help, said, you need to get things right with your father. That's why this is happening. And you need to sit down and write him a letter and resolve things because that's what's blocking the healing. So you need to do that. So this poor woman who's in the worst moment of her entire life, whose child is dying and can't get him help because of all these coercive things going on around her, has to sit down and write her fucking father, who probably didn't deserve to be reconnected with. (laughs) She had to write him a letter. Save her son in her mind. Yeah, because it was her fault that her son was in this situation. It was all her fault. I mean, it's just... It's sadistic. Like, it makes me so angry. <laughs> it's pure sadism at that point, you know? Sad. It, 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 it's sadism. I love that. It's sadism. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. It just, there's something really, I just, the, uh, the, the, forgiving, <laughs> the, the emphatic forgiveness that I still deal with, with mm. my family. You must forgive. Okay, well, bitch, show me how to do that. I don't even, what are you talking about? Like, it's so, um, 
it doesn't even it it, it you, how do you forgive Hillary? What does that even mean? Yeah, does what it, does it mean? What does exactly. it mean? Like I don't understand what you're asking me to do. It's something yeah. you can't do yourself. Anyway, it just it it drives me insane. Yeah, I mean, and I, that's, that's I had to do the father leather too. Dear, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a it's a terrible line for you to walk as your family's still in your life. You know, you still have to be re-traumatized mm-hmm. constantly. <laughs> I've had the luxury of the last almost 20 years without having to deal with the, you know, toxic family members that got me into this nonsense. So yeah. I, you know, I definitely feel so much sadness and empathy for people like you who you want to keep these people in your life. Like they're still your family. You still love them, but there's all this other stuff going on and you have to walk that line of how do I see them for holidays and have my kids be in their life, but keep myself safe at the same time. Like it's almost impossible to do those two things. Well, and I would ask you too, like even this last bit where my grandmother, and I think mostly when my grandmother passes, it's gonna, most of it will go with her. Um, but I had a really strong connection with my grandmother all growing up. Um, I mean, I just idolized her um, and she's 95. And this idea of giving her my salvation so she can pass peacefully mm. coming up. And I feel really conflicted about it. Yeah. I don't know. My mom's like, well, who cares? Just, you don't, who cares? Just tell her. And I was like, because I feel like I'm being raped. Like, I don't, and I, I and I, I'm not using that word lightly. It does feel like a violation for me. Yep. Yep. I have to pretend to get you to the other side. I don't know. And then it's, I, I don't know. She's 95 and she's 95. Yeah. You know? It's really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. So that's. For yourself. Yeah. How about that? Or do you once again sacrifice yourself for others? Someone else's comfort, basically. Me third. Yeah, me third. Me third. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. Oh, well, I'm sorry you're dealing with that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it never ends. That's really hard. That's really it hard. never ends. Yeah. Especially, do you have a place you go to, Hillary, that there are different parts of the world when you're there? You remember that? young Hillary like she like she was growing up probably if I went to Boston if I went to Boston for sure um but New York is like that for me you know I mean I left New York at 20 and I was still very much into Christian science when I left and actually the last time I went in 2019 I had a little bit of a nervous breakdown yeah (laughs) yeah in 2019 yeah yeah because I I realized how much of New York and the old me is still present. I think the person I was when I was there, how much of her is still present as much as I've tried to shut it all away and move to California and live this whole other life. And it was sort of bittersweet. It wasn't like a all bad. I hate this feeling. It was sort of like, Oh, I I see. She's still there. Yeah. I find sometimes it's helpful. And I'll tell you why, like when I go to Yuba city, that's the town I grew up in. That's where, there was a church on every corner. It was a very blue collar farming community where there's, you know, churches and ATMs on every corner. Like it just, you know, or it, it would go church, ATM, liquor store, church, ATM, liquor store, right? Fun store here and there. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, but it's funny when you go, when I was going, 
I have had to go back a lot because I have work up there and I'm walking through the old Sarah walking through, you know, this is where, this is where I witnessed to somebody. This is, and you forget those memories and they just come flooding back. And so it's been helpful to look at them and be the boss now. Yes. Yeah. And just, and look and, and forgive Sarah mm-hmm. and go, you look what you fucking did. Yeah. And take a little did. moment of pride to see how far you've come. You, yeah. didn't. you didn't stay here, hon. You didn't, you were supposed to stay here and raise these babies and the Christian faith and you were all this stuff and you didn't. And nobody showed me how to get out but yep. myself. Yep. And that fucking fires me up. Yeah. If we get myself out of that, then I can do it. Honestly, Hillary, dude, I can do anything. Yeah. It's really important to recognize, to give yourself credit. <laughs> that's a, that, that's an excellent way to revisit your hometown. I think it's probably better than how I did it. <laughs> no, and, it and because we keep going, cause she's there. Like you said, that 20 year old's still there. Those programs, that hard wiring is still there. And so it's really fun to go back and it gets me sometimes. It sucker punches me. You should do a show in Boston and in New York. That would be really primal because it brings up all those old parts of you that were shoved down. Yeah. And then you look at them and go, oh, right. I'm a badass bitch. <laughs> look at what I've done. And take the narrative back. They don't get Boston. They don't get that. Like, I don't know. There's, there's a fighter spirit in me in there. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I have that spirit too. And I really think not everybody has that. Yeah. And I think it's probably one of many keys as to how we were able to pull this off and live like authentic lives. You know, there was well, something uh, in us that was like, no. <laughs> love that we pulled it off. That's yeah. my very favorite thing. <laughs> we did. And I don't, still don't know how we did it because we yeah. didn't have, because we, we didn't have the the support of the church yeah. or family. Certainly. <laughs> I nope. mean, you and I definitely did not have family that supported our departure from our religions. <laughs> no. In fact, I mean, we got cut out of the will. I got cut out the will. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, <sighs> but we did yeah. it. We did it. And I can't, I can't believe it. I can, and I'm, I'm so thankful. I feel like I survived. Like they say, if you, uh, what is it? The New York saying, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. I kind of feel like that with religion. If you can get out there, bitch, you can do anything. Yeah. Anything. You're more powerful than you know. For that's sure. right. I'm not done yet. And that's the other thing. Yeah. Anyway, well, good. I think that's a wonderfully positive note to to end this on. Yeah. It's been great talking to you and hearing more of your story. I was always really curious yeah. what, what this group was like and yeah, you know, what your journey has been like. I know that my sister also has mentioned how you kind of were both <laughs> unraveling at the same time and how interesting that must have been. So it was really good to hear that. Think I don't know what I would have done without her. Yeah. Yeah, because it it really, you you need somebody when you leave whatever. I mean, and some yeah. people don't, but for me, I did. And it was a, it was, it was a huge support. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thank Sarah, you and, so um, much, Hillary. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see each other in real life again. Soon. One soon. of these days. Soon. Yes. I love it. I love it. Thank you, honey. If you need anything else, let me know. 
Okay. All right. You be well, hon. You too. Thanks for listening to Leaving Christian Science. Disclaimer, I'm not an expert. I'm not a historian. I'm not a therapist. I'm just an ordinary, imperfect human who had the misfortune of being born into Christian science. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the host. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional, medical, legal, or psychiatric advice.